Welcome to the VO2 Lounge podcast. This is episode 29. Cycling is a pursuit that challenges us to push our limits, conquer obstacles and achieve new physical heights. As we ride, we enter the realm of cycling physiology where concepts like functional threshold power, FTP, critical power, CP and true one hour power become essential to our performance. These ideas unlock a deeper understanding of power, endurance and pacing, allowing us to tap into our full potential and elevate our cycling abilities. In this podcast episode, we explore the world of cycling performance, delving into FTP testing, critical power, anaerobic work capacity and true one hour power and how all these kind of differ. Our journey through these physiological foundations provides insights that enhance both our comprehension and our ability to optimize training, race strategies and overall cycling proficiency. Now in this episode, I'll aim to kind of structure each element somewhat the same, kind of giving a definition, um, some testing protocols, some training zones in some instances and how they relate to your training. Um, And we'll go through obviously FTP, functional threshold power, we'll go into critical power and anaerobic work capacity and how it relates to what prime. Um, We'll also go into uh, true one hour power and how that compares to both FTP and critical power. And then we'll sign and wrap everything up, see how it can be implemented into your training. And uh, I hope you all enjoy. Starting with FTP, functional threshold power, it will be a metric many people listening to this will already be familiar with, whether that's through just discussions at your regular group ride, whether it's an article talking about how to increase your FTP, whether it is a training plan from training peaks, trainer road, swift, all of these, well, I would feel confident saying all of these are driven via FTP as a metric used to track current, future and past performance. So functional threshold power, what is it? Well, it stands as an uh, intricate physiological marker offering a multi-faceted glimpse into uh, a cyclist's aerobic capacities. Um, It is defined as the average power output a cyclist can sustain over a one-hour effort without succumbing to fatigue. Um, FTP transcends numerical values to become a window into the intricate energy-producing mechanisms that unfold within the cyclist's body during uh, sustained bouts of uh, exertion. So beyond its mere definition FTP holds profound importance as a uh, dynamic uh, method for designing optimal training regimes. Uh, The knowledge of uh, an individual's FTP empowers cyclists to finally calibrate their training efforts um, in alignment with their current fitness levels and overarching goals. Um, Whether the objective is to enhance endurance, uh, amplify speed or cultivate cardiovascular health, FTP serves as the bedrock really upon which personalized training plans are meticulously often structured. As I've said, many training platforms will utilize FTP in the dawn of 
Power meters being really commonplace, often offered on many a mid to upper range bikes, depending on what you'd class as mid range. But really, bikes now from almost two and a half thousand, two thousand pounds come with power meters. Power meters can be fitted to bikes for as little really as 250, 200 uh, pounds. So they're really not something that is too out of the reach of any cyclist now who's keen and i mean if you've got a carbon fiber bike then you can probably afford uh, a power meter so ftp testing now the pursuit of unveiling ftp's hidden intricacies involves the application of various testing methodologies each offering a distinct degree of accuracy and accessibility so one such method is the 20 minute ftp test often conducted uh, in a field setting really uh, during the test cyclists embark on a maximal effort for a continuous 20 minute duration now the continuous bit is important this isn't 20 minutes across an hour like uh, counting them all up specifically a one continuous 20 minute effort the average power output of the test is subsequently subjected to a 5% reduction to estimate the cyclist's FTP. So 95% of this 20-minute duration is the estimate for FTP. Um, while relatively straightforward and practical, this approach relies on cyclist's self-pacing strategy and ability to maintain a constant effort, which for beginners can be pretty challenging. And it almost, one of my favorite bits of a 20 minute ftp test is the fact that it almost allows you to analyze how your pacing is improving how your ability to perform a steady state effort is improving because one of the factors i've used in the past is using a ramp test as a quick and dirty which we'll get onto in a moment um, method of testing ftp and then comparing it to a 20 minute effort and seeing how they if they can get closer and if they are getting closer it almost means my the physiology is clearly train changing the psychology is clearly changing and your ability to pace is clearly changing which are all good things so in contrast the evolution of cycling technology has given a rise to the utilization of power meters for ftp testing um, in the form of smart trainers now, these devices, specifically smart trainers, um, have enabled, well, sorry. So because of, as I've said, the evolution of power meters, these have allowed people to start doing FTP tests themselves in the field and still using things like the 20 minute tests. But because of the evolution of smart trainers, methods such as ramp tests, which people will often be um, exposed to first allow for uh, a new form of testing now a ramp test is simply um, it start based on what your th thought ftp is it will start at a warm-up wattage it will then go up by uh, 20 watt increments this will continue to go on until you fail um, and then your FTP is calculated as a percentage of your final or slash maximum one minute power. Um, now, the concept of FTP serves as a cornerstone for the uh, delineation of training zones. 
each of which corresponds to specific physiological adaptions. These training zones form a structured framework that guides the creation of tailored workout plans, enabling cyclists to strategically target different um, facets of their fitness. That is a key point, is that FTP on its own, really FTP is a training metric. It is not necessarily the be-all and end-all of cycling performance. It is in reality a training metric, and that should always be kept in mind because it is useful to then deriving different zones. In this case, a seven-zone model. <clears throat> now, zone one, also known as active recovery, encompasses efforts below 55% of FTP. This zone prioritizes post-workout recovery and rejuvenation facilitating quicker recuperation between intense training sessions now to some extent if you're someone who only rides maybe four three four five days a week then the recovery ride isn't really necessary it sort of becomes more when people are getting really up there in volume um, and are requiring some level of continuous stimulation and the recovery ride really facilitates additional slight increase in volume but because it's dialed back is actually facilitating recovery but if you are not someone who's training six or seven days a week then in reality this zone is to some extent not necessary to uh block into a single training zone yes in between intervals useful to know 50 percent 55% of FTP, you're kind of recovering. It's useful for that. But actual recovery rides, not necessarily necessary. So zone two, which everyone should be very much aware of, which is like an endurance zone. So this spans from 56 to 75% of FTP. Zone two focuses on building the robust aerobic foundation, enhancing endurance ca uh, capacities uh, through extended rides at sustainable pace. And really, this is laying your bedrock, your foundation to all the work that is to come um, later in the periodization of your training plan. You then have zone three, which is tempo, which often people call like junk mileage. But in reality, there is a purpose for tempo in a given time. Now, this range is from 76 to 90 percent of FTP. Zone three strikes a kind of delicate equilibrium between endurance and intensity provides a platform for stimulating both the aerobic and muscular systems without inducing undue fatigue and making it a critical zone for developing overall cycling fitness it really can help develop that upper aerobic kind of capacity it's just not something you should be doing every training session um, then you have zone 4, which is threshold, which is encompassing of 91 to 105% of FTP. Zone 4 hones the body's capacity to tolerate and clear uh, lactate. This zone is instrumental for cyclists targeting longer duration efforts where the ability to manage and buffer uh, lactate buildup becomes crucial. Um, zone 5 will be your VO2 max. Um, this operates between 106 and 120% of FTP. Zone 5 is characterized by high intensity workouts that push the limits of a cardiovascular system. Um, 
Training in these zones leads to significant improvements in maximal oxygen uptake, a crucial determinant endurance performance factor. Now, specifically in cycling, now let's if we just sort of nudge back, sorry. In zone two, interval durations aren't they're not really intervals, it's just the ride is all day. It's however long you're out for, that's how long. There's no real intervals. Zone like zone three, so tempo, these could be up to really an hour, these kind of things. It would be maybe you go out for a ride. I mean you could do longer, but for the most part, you could go out for a ride. Maybe it's a four hour ride and you do one hour at zone two, two hours at tempo, come back into zone one, into zone two. But these are really these are the next thing down from an endurance effort. Threshold. Now again, we're talking twenty minute, thirty minute efforts being really what you'd be considering vo2 max sorry threshold 30 minute effort would be pretty like elite to some extent you're talking 10 15 20 30 minute efforts vo2 max we're coming way down to 30 seconds a minute two minutes up to really four or five minutes is where we're going to see this topping out then we move on to zone six which is anaerobic capacity this spans 121 to 150 percent of ftp um, zone six focuses on developing the cyclist ability to generate power during high intensity bursts workers on this zone contribute to improving capacity to produce high power outputs during brief intense efforts now these again these are just like not quite a sprint but really again these are like the 30 to a minute really efforts and then zone seven is neuromuscular power which exceeds 150 percent and this is a sprint um, it hones explosive and sprinting capabilities essential for race situations with rapid accelerations now to the understanding of these training zones in relation to cyclists ftp empowers individuals to structure their training with precision especially over the course of a year and ensuring that they work out is optimized to achieve specific training goals again specific to the time of year so that is ftp moving on to critical power so what is critical power um, it extends the concept of ftp representing the upper limit of sustainable power output over a varying durations it serves as a crucial element for effective pacing and performance optimization across different cycling scenarios. In um, sorry, intimately intertwined with critical power is the notion of anaerobic work capacity, denoted as W prime. W prime is a finite energy reservoir that becomes available for short term, uh, sorry, for short term high intensity efforts. Um, akin to tapping into a battery almost for rapid acceleration if you're kind of someone who watches maybe like f1 or world endurance championships it's to some extent like a big battery you got like a big fuel tank you know incredibly energy dense which is like your fat stores really that can go on for a uh, long time and then you've got a little battery which can give you just rapid, instant, um, huge bursts of performance, effectively. But it's finite and can be regenerated, but it's going to take some time. And reality, you're going to have to, it's going to be overnight, sort of thing. So, testing to determine W prime. 
Now, determining critical power effectively involves a series of short duration time trials, typically spanning time frames from sorry, three minutes to 20 minutes, let's say. These time trials demand maximal efforts with the average power output recorded and plotted against corresponding time intervals. The result is a power duration relationship curve which reveals the point of intersection between power output and sustainable effort, um, the essence of critical power. Now, if you're trying to do this yourself, there are loads of websites um, that do the calculations for you. All you need to do is go out often doing like a three, a five, a 13 minute effort of those three. And in some cases, you can do a fourth as well, where you do a 20 minute effort. And the three, the five and the 13 usually are pretty easy for people to comprehend, pace properly and deliver on. Whereas the 20 minute, it's a long time for people to start dropping off and skew the results. But if you can do them, do the four point test or do the three point test, and then you will get this power curve effectively. So this very uh, curve not only unveils critical power, but also offers insight into the anaerobic uh, work capacity or W prime of an individual. So as a cyclist pushes beyond the realm of critical power into high intensity territory, the gradual decline in power output signifies the depletion of W prime. This quantification of energy depletion serves as a crucial metric for understanding the body's capacity for short bursts of intense uh, effort. It's kind of like a, if you were to bonk in a race, it's kind of that point at which you can no longer go with the surges. Like the, the group leaves you, but you're like, oh, I can still sit at... 260 watts 270 watts but i can no longer do 400 500 and so on and so forth that is where learning what this to some extent if you're racing it's not going to tell you oh, okay you just need to somehow hide in the bunch you know and not surge or whatever you already know that but it does provide uh information for yourself as to like where you think you're going to fatigue if you've got a massive w prime now compared to last year then it would allow you to go into a race and know you can deal with more surges maybe attack the group more whereas if you're down on your w prime you would know okay i need to hide more now it's not like a necessarily a number where you just go like i need a w prime of this much to win a race it's more of it year on year on an individual basis it can help you understand where you are in relation to your prior self <clears throat> so the application of critical power and what w prime is kind of what i've just said there but critical power and aerobic work capacity provide an invaluable insight into performance predictions across a diverse range of event durations so once you're armed with the understanding of the interplay between critical power W prime and FDP, cyclists can gain the ability to strategically allocate their energy reserves. This empowers them to uh, execute calculated efforts, maintain optimal pacing and unleash potent accelerations during races, time trials and other competitive scenarios. Now incorporating principles of critical power and anaerobic work capacity into training regimes um, yields uh, multifaceted benefits. Workouts conducted in a uh, in proximity to critical power stimulated adaptions that enhance anaerobic capacity, thereby improving the ability to generate power duration at high intensity and uh, high intensity efforts. 
by consistently challenging the limits of W prime, cyclists foster explosiveness and uh, agility, qualities that are indispensable for conquering um, steep climbs. It is not necessary. Sorry, exactly that. It's more to deal with the uh, responding to dynamically the ebbs and flows of races. It that the difference to some extent between cycling and some other forms of endurance sports specifically like road racing criteriums rather than even time trials to some extent you to pace the optimal time trial you will have points where you are at or below your w prime and you have points where you're over and understanding how long in that hour duration you can spend over and by how much if it's really mathematical you could calculate that and then it's less of a tool, as I've said, in a road race where it's more used as a how can I execute this race? Am I going to be determining the pace or am I going to be following the pace? That is effectively the use of critical power. And then knowing where it is determines how you then can manipulate training sessions to uh stimulate adaptions that are favorable for your desired form of the sport and finally on to true one hour power and a comparison with ftp and critical power so while ftp and critical power provide essential insights the concept of true one hour power introduces a unique dimension within the realm of cycling performance in contrast to FTP, which efforts an estimate of the average power output over an hour, true one-hour power encapsulates the principle of exactly that. And that is of sustained exertion over a continuous 60-minute period. Now, this metric resonates deeply in the context of endurance events, serving as a gold standard for assessing aerobic capabilities. So, yes, <clears throat> to some extent, I suppose as you get better training, your FTP and one hour power may come closer together. But I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, in the first two to three years really of training, from my personal experience, I've always drastically overperformed on FTP tests, specifically ramp tests less so on 20 minute tests but there is no way that i could do 95 percent of my 20 minute power for an hour and there is no way at all that i could do my ftp based on a ramp test for an hour there is just no way the method of deducing it is not the same but what it does serve as is a great training metric so Comparison with FTP and critical power. So comparing true armor power with FTP and critical power reveals an intriguing nuances to all of this. While FTP serves an approximation of one hour power, critical power encompasses the upper limit of sustained power output across varying durations. True one hour power, however, takes us even further, offering more definitive measure of an individual's aerobic prowess over the specific duration of an hour which is long enough to really show you what someone's physiology is all about. Now, what are the practical applications? 
The understanding of the relationship between true hour, one hour power, FTP and critical power has a tangible implications for shaping training strategies. While training at FTP and critical power levels contributes to overall fitness and the capacity to sustain high intensity efforts, optimizing true one hour power uh, necessitates targeted and sustained efforts that mirror the demands of uh full hour of cycling or further really it's really the next level of and it's not suggesting that doing a one hour test once a month is a good idea but simply that ftp and critical power are not the same thing as one hour power so in the world of cycling functional threshold power critical power and true one hour power are clearly interwoven to some extent these concepts create a practical framework for training, pacing, and maximizing one's potential. Now, understanding FTP testing helps cyclists optimize training, build endurance, and face challenges knowingly. FTP, critical power, and true on hour power are not mere chart points, but keys to riding stronger, smarter, and more confidently during races, sportives, general group rides these things really to be honest can help anyone um, and they guide the path to cycling excellence for the upper tier athletes for more content like this explore my previous episodes and consider following rating and sharing the podcast all of these really do help if you would like to share your thoughts or suggest future topics then do so at the vo2 lounge at gmail.com Dot com. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, it's goodbye.